hey, this is what I experienced. I've experienced racism before and I never talked about those things. I just kind of like kept it under the table because, you know, you want to keep your job or X, Y, and Z. And I feel like this really just bought out just the conversation, um, just, just to have it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Fat Cats. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. Welcome to the show where I want to help you set goals, create a plan, and execute consistently. And I know there's a lot going on right now. There's so much you could be doing when it comes to content, video, podcast, content on social media, that it can sometimes be overwhelming. But the more you can create a plan, the easier it is to set goals and be consistent on a regular basis. This podcast was a first for me because I've wanted to go live and I've been, you know, itching to do that just for a while, but but I've just kind of held back. If It's a little daunting at times, but I decided, you know, it is time to just start going live. And guess what? With this podcast, I finally went live. I pulled up IGTV and went live that way where I was uh, invited Tay on for the interview. And so we just had the full conversation live going directly to IGTV and I went live to YouTube. And uh, were there some issues with sound and sorting kinks out yes there definitely were i didn't have my audio set right for the first part of it yeah and so just there wasn't audio for the first part of the youtube version but but you know what? that's okay because the the biggest part how do you get better at going live at producing content is just regularly produce content and go live and so it was just it was a great learning opportunity for me and with a great conversation with tay browns also marked the one of the first podcast I've done in person since the start of COVID and was able to do that. And thanks to uh, a co-working space in Alexandria called The Loop that has a podcast studio. We have a little nice wall between us. So we were able to be socially distanced. And you can see that photo uh, on my Instagram going on the page uh, for this podcast at, at No Fat Cats episode slash 40. And, you know, it was just, it was a great time. Tay has been producing her own talk show. She's a basketball player. And so we dove into what it was like for her to just create her content for herself where she's interviewing basketball players and what that process has been like for her, just her desire, her, her wanting to do that. And we also dive into conversations about, about race and in the aftermath of everything that has happened with George Floyd, you know, everyone expects people to have to be saying something as, as just we look at, you know, companies, brands, there's that expectation that, that you are going to say something. And I know at times I haven't spoken up as much because I've, you know, haven't known exactly what I need to say or, or what I should be saying. But right now, being silent about these topics is, is almost worse than not saying anything. But at the same time, you need to be able to say something and not just look like you're saying it because everyone is saying it. And so that's been one of the things that I have wrestled with. And so I wrestled a little bit with this topic with Tay, as I know it's something that's very important to me. We need to be upholding uh, each other. We need to be actually taking a stand for the inequality that's out there, especially the, the racial inequality. And we really need to be approaching these issues and having great conversations with people about them in a way that is uplifting and um, recognizes the injustice that's been done. And I just loved getting Tay's uh, feedback, her, her thoughts, impressions, her ideas, as I know all of us need to be exploring these topics more and, and diving them and having meaningful conversations with other people, with our friends about it, and exploring these topics a little more in depth as we really learn how to deal with some of the issues, that, especially in the US, the, the racial issues that have really been dividing us as a nation. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Tay Brown. Tay, welcome to the podcast show. Thanks so much for for being on it. This is you now first time for me going 
uh, live, doing the podcast, going on IGTV and YouTube. So thanks for being a groundbreaker with me. No, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Uh, I just knew that, you know, the you of all people would be a great person to try doing this. Um, I know you've been doing a lot of stuff yourself in terms of your show. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you've been kind of encouragement to me because I know we kind of first met, you made the introduction. Yeah. And then I just like saw you're like putting out stuff. And I was like, look, there's Tay like putting stuff out there. Like there's no reason why I shouldn't be putting stuff out there as well. well I appreciate that. Um, but but for those who don't know about your show, like tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, what do you do in terms of like background? How do you get into media and, and putting out content? Yeah, so uh, a little bit about my background. I'm from Bowie, Maryland. Um, I've been playing basketball since I was six years old. So that's been like a big passion of me um, and pretty much my story. But I, when I got older, I started to dabble in like doing camera stuff um, in high school. So I was like the sports director for our morning uh, talk show. That's great. And um, that's when I realized, <clears throat> sorry, that's when I realized I was like, yeah, like this is, I like, I like video. I like telling stories I like interviewing people so then when I got to college I was like you know what I play basketball but I really want to get serious and I really want to study film so my uh when I graduated in 2015 from George Mason I studied sports management and then I decided to pursue my master's in film and video studies and that's when I really got into it and I was like you know what after one year of doing that I'm just going to start my own business and I'm going to start doing video content for people um, and then after that, I started my own podcast recently um, last year and I did like 10 episodes just sitting down with other athletes, coaches and trainers and um, just had a conversation with them and had them just tell their story. And it was unique because I felt like I could relate to them. We talked about some really, really, really uh, important topics just about, you know, the sports industry and the things that we go through on and off the court and just in life in general. So. When COVID-19 happened, I just started interviewing people because everybody went on Zoom. So (laughs) I was just like, hey, can I interview you on Zoom for my talk show? Like I'm going virtual. And almost pretty much everybody was like, yeah, I'm down. So I've interviewed about 25 people since since we've been locked in the house. (laughs) Yeah. You know, in in some ways, I think um, it's almost better to like once everything went Zoom, it kind of took that pressure off of feeling like you had to interview everyone in person yeah. so in some ways it, it makes it a little bit easier to then um to then do everything that way no that that's awesome so um i love the fact that you know you're doing that and you're able to combine both um both different things and being able to um combine better all right cool able to combine some of the things that you love like basketball yeah. with you know, filming and kind of combine those those two passions yeah. uh you know what what was it like when uh, you know, you started filming. Did you, at what point did those two start to like combine those, those two passions? Yeah. So it definitely started to combine when I was in college and I was real into doing my teammates highlight videos. So I started doing my own and then I was like, okay, I want to do, um, Rihanna's want to do Sanders. Like I want to do my teammates highlight videos. And I was like, okay, like when I saw the end result and then, you know, when they posted out on our social media pages and people were loving it. I was like, this is my passion this is what I want to do. So that whole like sports combination really pushed me to like reach out to companies that focus on sports highlights, that focus on telling sports stories through video. So that's when it really took off in college. Yeah. And I know like the highlights videos really are kind of one of those key, like those key things for getting noticed uh, in school. It's do you have a uh, highlights reel and, and, and do you, can you communicate, you know, yeah. that stuff? Yeah. Um, so definitely I'm sure the kind of that combination of where things 
come together to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. It's like people have their pros and cons with it. Uh, some coaches or people can say, oh, you can't t- you can't really tell how good a player is through their highlights because, of course, it's their best their best clips. But at the same time, you can tell if a player can play um, just by watching some of their highlights. I think it's beneficial recruiting wise. Oh, great. No. So so at what point did you realize that you could actually make kind of a, a part of a job in terms of making content as a part of a career versus I know you started off doing basketball. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment where you're like, Oh, I, I really want to keep doing this, this yeah. kind of stuff. So when I did an internship with uh gearship TV, which is located in Fairfax, Virginia, um, that's when I was pursuing my masters. I saw, um, I talked to them, they were my supervisors and they said, you know what? I just started um, running my own company and I just did it. I started with my family started with my friends and then it took off. They started doing video work like at, at clubs and, you know, restaurants. And now they're doing commercials. So I learned from them. I was like, I can do this now. And so I, that's what I did when I got out of college. I was like, OK, I'm going to reach out to family. I, I did uh, one of my uh, coaches uh, weddings. Um, then I started doing I did my high school. I did like a promotional video for my high school. They were doing like renovation. So me just like putting myself out there because I saw, you know, that a company that I interned with, that's how they got started. I was like, I can do that as well. So that, that kind of like triggered me to just go after it. Oh, that's cool. So was there any, ever any point where you kind of wondered like, all right, how's this going to happen? Or was it kind of like, so for me, I know at one point, mm-hmm. you know, I actually studied, you know, intercultural studies, development work, mm-hmm. but I think it was towards my seat and I always loved media, but I was like, well, how am I going to combine both of these together and I think it really wasn't until my senior year where someone paid me to, to actually do something yeah uh, a project and I was like oh wow this is people will pay me to do this like, this is awesome <laughs> right why don't I keep this up yeah no definitely I think I started working for a newspaper called the Sentinel newspaper for about two years and that was like the complete uh putting together sports and video together so um they had a shooter um and he would go out to the games to the high school games and he would shoot the games and then they would send me the footage and I would edit it and I'll put together like a highlight video. So that was like perfect ideal job. Like that's exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and that just pushed me to do more though. I kind of like now I'm at a point where I don't want to settle with just sports because um, there's just so much, a lot of people need video editors. A lot of people need video content. So I think I'm at that point right now, but starting off, that was like my dream job. Just, just doing highlight videos. That, that's great. So I am curious too, um, you know, too, once you started developing more like, you know, talks with pay, yeah. what was that process of approaching people of getting them to be on the show? Yeah. Did it just kind of a natural like, hey, let's sit down and do an interview or, you know, and, and why did you decide to do that too? I, I'm curious too, what was that driving force that was like, oh, I, like what was your goal behind doing, doing that content? Right. Uh, that's a great question. So when I got back from overseas, because I um, was playing in Australia and I came back home, I was like, you know what? I want to start to brand myself. Like, I want to talk about my story, what I've done. And it's weird because I was talking to one of my mentors and she was like, you know, why don't you just, you know, interview people? Just sit down and have a conversation with them. And I was like, OK, like because I, I was just going back and forth. Like, how am I? You know, you're trying to figure out how you're going to make this content, how you're going to push it out. So I just decided just to do it, like just sit down and talk to someone that, um, you know, that I knew that had like a similar story or that I could relate to. So the first person I messaged uh, was my my former, uh, well, I say former classmate or someone I went with went to high school with uh, was Brandon Coleman. And Brandon Coleman went to we went to Bishop McNamara High School and then he went to Rutgers and he played in the NFL. 
So I was like, he would be a great person to sit down with and talk to. So I literally, this is how I get in contact with people. I would just message them, like DM them on Instagram. And I'd be like, hey, like, you know, I'm doing a talk show about pro athletes or about sports. Um, would you mind, you know, would you like to be interviewed? It's, just, it's real informal, nothing, you know, nothing serious. And nine times out of ten, everybody says yes. So it got to a point where I was just hitting people up. Everybody was saying yes. And I was like, uh, now I got to, like, you know, like, because it takes a lot of work with the production, it the does. setup, the editing. So I had to, like, pick, you know, be more selective. So I had to cut it to, like, ten professional, well-shot, <laughs> edited videos. So, yeah. Okay. So so I'm curious, too, on that end, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what has been your goal? Has it been, hey, everything needs to be well-produced, well-polished, or have you kind of just gone for, like, I just need to keep cranking stuff out? Like, where, where have you fallen yeah. in, in that balance? So at first, I was like, it has to look perfect. It has to be well done, well produced, well shot, and the editing has to be just right. And that paid off um, because my show actually got aired on a UDC uh, TV station, which is the University of District Columbia. Um, so they aired it on their show. But when COVID-19 happened, I was like, you know, we're stuck. Like we can't do in-person interviews. So I can't just stop because I was, I was out and about, I was taking my camera, I was doing interviews and I was, you know, making, making the best. But, um, when that happened, I was like, well, everybody's on zoom, you know, that's more, I felt like it was more personal conversation. People were more comfortable. Um, so it just worked out and I was able to produce way more episodes than the whole, you know, setup production. But, um, I think I'm I'm kind of getting away with, you know, having that perfect look and everything just look super, super perfect and just make content. Um, I think it's necessary at times, like, of course, if you're doing a short film, um, you know, a documentary, or if you just want to have your podcast looking really nice and really clean cut, I think that's great. But the more content, I, I'm like, the more content, the better now for me. No, because I think in some ways it is almost just a matter of, you know, you really need to just keep putting stuff out there. So that way, um, you know, that, that when people like to see it, they're more likely to show up more often. Uh, it's almost, that's more of an issue. I think is just showing up as much as you can Mm -hmm. rather than trying to make the one perfect piece that, I mean, I think you're right. It is different if you're doing kind of a, a show or, or just, or something that's going like big, like you're doing a short film, but for regular content, like people like perceptions have changed in terms of what people expect. Yeah. And so if, I think even as with COVID, if you looked at some of the talk shows, they're just like filmed in their basements. And, you know, Jimmy Fallon was having his wife hold a camera and, and film to communicate, Hey, this is serious, but also it, it almost brought a personality to it. And I think with a, a lot more like ev- equipment being more accessible, people are a little more comfortable with just, Hey, raw content that's interesting and authentic rather than have it be super yep. high polished. Yep. Exactly. I definitely agree. I think, um, and that was, that was the beauty of it a lot. I got more interaction and more engagement. I noticed on my social media with the zoom interviews versus, um, the well-polished, uh, you know, well set up production interviews. People were like, Oh, I love it. It looks great. I love what you're doing, but more people felt comfortable like messaging or, you know, commenting on, on the post. So that was cool. No. So wait, that's interesting. So would you just put your, um, the zoom conversation on, uh, you know, on online, put it on TV or what was that like? Yeah. So I would, um, first I'll do an interview and then I would spend some time chopping up like some of the best parts from the interview. So if I thought, you know, it was funny, you know, serious, deep, I would take uh, the snippets and I would kind of make it look like the Gary V, uh, social yeah. media posts with the titles on the top. 
And then that would kind of like get their attention. Like, okay, if we're talking about just example, say we were talking about like chicken or something. Like <laughs> if it was a joke, I will put it at the top. Um, so then that's what drew people's attention. And then, um, yeah, so then I, what I would do, I'll say, you know, full link in my bio. So go to YouTube or, you know, go to my website. But I was really trying to push my YouTube page. Okay. Trying, trying to push the YouTube page then. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so too, with the Zooms, did you, there was, you did notice a difference in engagement? Was it more of engagement on social media, on YouTube or, or what, what did you like post the full you, the links to on, on YouTube or just kind of short snippets? Yeah. So I saw more engagement on Instagram, um, because of the short snippets. I think people really liked that. And then they had, they instantly would say, you know, I can relate to this. Like, thank you for sharing this. This is real. Um, that was more of the, the feedback I was getting. Um, and a lot of people went to watch the full interview, you know, if they felt like they covered late or if it was interesting enough, um, and for the zoom, I felt like it was just at that time, if that moment of our life, when we were really stuck in the house, I think people were really looking forward to that human interaction. So I think it was just like, um, people appreciated just somebody wanted to sit down and talk to them. Okay. Yeah. No, that that's cool. And I think too, you're right that people just appreciate that in-person interaction. Um, and that's what, what makes it work. So, so I'm curious, now that things are starting to reopen, you know, what do you think is going to happen when it comes to, like, will you go back to doing things in person, keep it to Zoom, do a hybrid mix? Uh, you know, yeah. what do you think about, about that approach? I think I'm going to do a hybrid mix. I, I like that approach because um, I feel like I'm always, like, I'm always on the go. Like, I always want to be doing something. So it's like if I'm not doing, the, you know, the full production setup, I'm like, you know what, let's just do it at home because – um, that's another thing it, you can't I've learned that I was kind of like waiting to interview certain people to say okay when they're back in town or when I can go out to them and it's like you know you can just do it virtually now I mean we've seen that with ESPN uh, Saturday Night Live like it's like <laughs> if ESPN can interview people virtually then well right. I probably can right <laughs> right and it's like you you see it on the news and I feel like I, I created this more news approach because um, that's when I started using this news like lower third because um, I was like, you know, I got tired of watching COVID-19 news, to be honest. And, you know, I just felt like it was kind of like bringing, bringing people down and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to take my content and make it more positive. And it was more of a news, like every day is something new. So No, that that's a, a great way of looking at it. It's like something new every day. And did you have a like a schedule you were trying to commit to or? Um, um, yeah. So eventually I I was like, I'm going to do three episodes per week. So three I'm gonna, per week. Wow. Yeah. I was dropping. Um, so Monday I announced it. I was like, here are the three episodes. Uh, Tuesday there was a, I dropped the snippets and I was like, watch the full video by 7 p.m. I did the same thing Wednesday, Thursday, and then I gave myself like the weekend break to interview and edit. So I was like nonstop with it. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Have you been able to keep it up or have you had to dial down a little bit? To be honest, I had to dial back and that's, you know, due to what was going on in this world. I'm going to be honest. Um, well, it got to a point where I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I have a lot of content and I was trying to figure out how to do the back end work. So how to do like, you know, the advertisements, how to do the ads and stuff, YouTube ads, uh, Instagram ads. I was really going to focus on that so I can push out my content to more people than just like my network, you know. So that's why that was my vision. And then when the whole George Floyd thing happened um, and we saw that, you know, on national TV, it, it really did hit me. Like it, it hit me to a point where I was like, I've never seen that before live. Like, you know, you read about um, 
our history and you know slavery and stuff like that and you, police brutality and you know it goes way back deep so when we all saw that when the whole world saw that i think it just hit us all at once in a, in a very deep way and it took it took me um off the course i kind of just like i kind of like got away from it and i felt like i kind of felt like an activist at the moment like okay what can i do to help because this is like ridiculous like um i i felt like it was selfish for me to put out content if it wasn't about what was happening right now, um, especially with George Floyd. Um, and then, um, yeah, so I've I kind of gotten away from it. Uh, but I, I created, um, I always have my Thursday night talks. I have something called a generational talk, which includes like boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Zs, the four generations. And before we were just talking about what our differences, what made us different, what made us similar, how can we learn from each other? And then when that happened, I trying to I changed the topic and I was like, you know what, let's talk about what's going on in the world and, you know, how we can make a change, how we can make a difference. So every Thursday night, uh, for the most part, I've been doing that. And that that has led me to start my own. Um, I started my own uh, T-shirt, T-shirts design, uh, I guess, T-shirt clothing line. And I decided to donate to an organization called When We All Vote and Fair Vote because that I felt like that was our solution with our conversation. So yeah, I've had this big shift because of because of all that going on. Yeah, because it it really was. You know, I think in some ways it made it tough to, for anyone to talk about anything else during the time. Yeah, you know, with George Floyd, and and I think it it also reached the point where people felt that like you, you kind of had to take a stance and and address things mm-hmm. um, in, in a certain way because it was you couldn't just be silent and not talk about it. But yeah. I think a lot of people were struggling a little bit with like, how do, how do you approach things? How do you deal with it? Um, you know, for example, how do, how do I, as a white male talk about some of this stuff going on yeah. and, um, and make sure I like contribute to the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that's like good in a way that's helpful. Mm-hmm. What are, what are your thoughts on perspectives? Like what have you seen, yeah. um, that you felt was a helpful, mm-hmm. um, and what have you seen that's not helpful? Because I know sometimes too, if like you don't have good, in, you might have good intentions, but if you're not careful, mm-hmm. it can it can backfire, and you can especially you can come across looking very insensitive. Yeah. yeah. You know, what are your? Do you have any tips for people that things have done right, and then things where people can be can, can improve? Yeah. So I have a a lot of white friends. So it was. I'm gonna be honest. It was. It felt kind of uncomfortable because. We, I've noticed I don't really have these conversations with my, 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 my white friends. And it took like that incident. And it was like, you know, I never really talked about this, never talked about police brutality. You know how, you know, our, our situation is a little different if someone was to call the police on us versus, you know, uh, if somebody was to call the police on my white friend. Um, but I appreciated um, just the messages like, you know, hey, I'm so sorry. Um, I don't know what to do. Um, you know, how can I help? Let me know if there's anything I can do, I can help. Um, little stuff like that, which is, it sounds little, but it was actually big just, you know, seeing, you know, and, and that's something that I want to make it clear, um, because not every police is bad and, and not every white person is bad. Um, but, um, it just, at, at that time it made it really, really uncomfortable. Um, but I think it was needed cause I needed to have those conversations with my friends. Like, Hey, yeah, this is how I feel. Like, hey, this is what I experienced. I've experienced racism before and I never talked about those things. I just kind of like kept it under the table because, you know, 
um, for whatever reason, you want to keep your job or X, Y, and Z. And I feel like this really just bought out just the conversation, um, just, just to have it. Um, and so I think, I think that was, that's important to have the conversation and not to not talk about it. Uh, we don't have to have the answers. I don't think anybody has the answer right now. I think you can, you can protest all you want. You can, you know, wear all the Black Lives Matters t-shirts, hats or whatever, and all that's good, but nobody really has the answer. All we can do is just have the conversation and try to understand and, you know, come together. And I think that's been the beauty of this all we've for the most part, from what I've seen, a lot of us have come together. Of course, not everybody's going to agree um, and they are entitled to their opinion and their beliefs. But just going out to the protests in D.C. and stuff, just seeing like I thought like, man, you know, maybe I should bring a bag of food or something. I'm going to be out here all day. People were passing out waters, like food, like you were fine for the whole day. And that doesn't happen on a regular day. Um, so just. Just seeing that that unity, we were all listening to Dr. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's speech and standing right in front of the White House, and it was just all different types of people. Um, it was like it was just beautiful. Um, I just think us just having a conversation, and and if you can't talk about it, just be just be there. I think just be present, and if your presence is, uh, some people may say, "Oh, do more than just a social media post," but I I take a social media post and nothing. Um, so. Whatever, whatever you feel like that makes your presence like known that you care, I think that's important. But I also will say this: I don't think just one post is enough. I think, I think you should, um, like I said, I think you should make it known that you care and and do more than just a bare minimum. Um, and if, and I think that's just being there, just being present and having that conversation. You know, if you have a black friend, if you have a white friend, just talk about it. You know, that's that's the only way we're going to get better and grow. It, it really is just a matter of having kind of regular ongoing discussions and, and it's not just a matter of having one post that you, you know, put out there and, yeah. um, you know, say, Hey, I, I've checked that box, but it's, you know, more of like be intentional about, cause it's going to take more than just uh, a, a Facebook post to change, yeah. um, hundreds of years of, of institutional, mm -hmm. you know, racism and institutional, um, you know, just, systemic oppression in, in some ways yeah um, and it, but it's going to be an ongoing ongoing process yeah definitely I, I definitely agree it's it's an ongoing process and I and um, with my talk our goal was to really get people push them to vote register people to vote um and educate people you know how to vote how to register to vote and you know know more than just you know the two presidents that are running you know you got to know more than that um, so I think that's, that's really much key, but even after the election, we have to still, you know, just keep, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing forward because we can't just depend on, I guess you can say the leaders in our country or the higher authority to make decisions and to make the world better. We can make it better, um, just by how we interact and treat each other on a daily basis. So, um, we can't stop just because of the election. We just got to keep going. So. Yeah. No, 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 it's true. I, mean, I think people, if you look at people assumed that, oh, when Obama was elected, that like everything was instantly going to get better. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to racial issues. And then it was like, no, just uh, that didn't happen. You know, yeah. ha having one person elected doesn't necessarily solve, um, you know, over, you know, centuries old problems, yeah. um, you know, just with the with one election. It's, it's, it is a process. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that, that is really helpful. And so, uh, too, I'm curious. So, as a matter of, keeping those conversations going mm -hmm. too and, and having them regularly 
how do you feel, for example, for you, um, you know, how has that process been as you're reaching out, talking to people in terms of having those discussions? Do you feel like how people treated you coming, you know, as, uh, you know, as a black woman in taking into the space Mm -hmm. and how, especially like the communication space, how are the ways that everyone, did you feel, have you ever felt any discrimination and and what, even if it's subtly and how can in the social media space, in the media world, Mm -hmm. how can people who are white in in some ways be more receptive, be more open to maybe their unconscious bias? Cause I think Mm -hmm. we're getting to the spot where, where most people are willing to say like, Oh no, I'm, I'm not racist, mm-hmm. but it, it, sometimes there's unconscious bias that people aren't even aware of that. Yeah. That's the hard part yeah. is ha, where have you seen that, mm-hmm. you know, in your life, in, in the, you know, especially in the media space yeah. and, and what are some steps people can do to intentionally identifying their, their unconscious bias yeah. is kind of tricky, but, but how can people think through that? Is it just having discussions? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any thoughts there? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I have two, I can give like two scenarios, one for, for basketball and then another for media. So for like basketball, I did a Facebook post and it was like, it came out of nowhere. It was like all this emotion I was just feeling, I was just upset and like, I was just really into it. And um, I could just think about like back when I was in this game and one of my coaches, I was overseas and I don't think he even realized what he said uh, but I was just like, I think I was struggling, like shooting. And I just like, my shot just wasn't going in as normal. And I remember he called me over to the side and he was like, you know, Tay, he was like, you know, play like you're playing in the streets. And I just like, I couldn't like really process it. Cause I was like, wait, what? Like, I'm not even from the streets. Like I'm from Bowie, Maryland. Like, <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't understand. But in my head, like I just, I couldn't get it out. Like I just had to keep playing. Um, but it was stuff like that that really hit me at that moment. Like, you know, it, it's just like, I don't know, this this thought of I felt like, you know, black people are like from the hood, from the streets or like, you know, uh, grown up in poverty. And it's like that's not for all case for black people. And um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of like an unbiased thing. I think like just this. I don't know if it's like seeing it in movies and stuff, seeing it on TV. That's how we're like projected. But um I, I felt like yeah that that really uh was a scenario but for like for the media um to be honest I haven't really experienced any like like discrimination or in, like any racism with media I can only say like I did play by play commentating um and you know I know there's like this bias thing like uh like black people usually are like the color commentators and you know white people are usually like the play by play uh, but besides that, I really haven't been discriminated with media. I just feel like it's more of a free, uh, free world type thing. Like you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. I, I don't, I don't really see any, uh, uh, I guess like any bias, uh, or racism with that. Um, I, I personally haven't experienced, I think we all have the opportunity to do what we want with media, uh, whatever that, whatever that is you want to do. Um, and if people can relate and they like your content and it's real and authentic, I think people will gravitate to it. So I don't, I don't, I don't really see any, uh, any, I guess like any, uh, okay. Yeah. Anything with it. No. Well, well I mean, that is really helpful too, too, to hear. And I guess that is a, a positive note, at least that on your end, you feel that you have been able to, to have the space to, to be able to produce some of the stuff that you want to have some of the conversations and that it does feel like it, it is opening more. Cause I mean, I think, so, like, I think there's that mixture of acknowledging 
the the progress we've made so far with the work that we need to do. And so it kind of sounds like, at least in your respect, mm-hmm. a, a lot of good progress is being made, um, you know, at least in that regard, in that space. Um, and obviously we need to keep moving forward, keep, keep producing stuff, keep uh, breaking boundaries, keep building bridges. Um, but it, it's not all bad, but there's still plenty of work that needs to be done still. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think just what we can do with our media platform, especially if we have a, a good, like a big following and stuff, you could talk about these things, you know, that's, and that was one thing that was frustrating me. Um, cause I was watching Gary V he's one of, I, I like, I look up to him. I like his content and stuff. And, uh, I was like a little disappointed cause I was like, he's posting about how to be a great marketing person and you know, how to do this at during like, you know, the George Floyd thing. But then I saw he made this shift and he started talking about like you know racism and how we can do better and stuff like that. Um, and I just appreciate that. Just using your platform to um, talk about these things because it's, it's sad. But honestly, I don't think George Floyd would have had his family would have had justice. Or I know they're still working on Breonna Taylor and etc. Ahmad. Um, if it wasn't for social media uh, right now, if it wasn't for video, I mean that's that's saving the world right now. Like it's crazy that. <laughs> And some people are like, oh, yeah, that was wrong. Like, because we got that on video and a thousand people reposted it or a million people reposted it. Yep. So that's against the, that's against the law. <laughs> no, that that is a really interesting point in that in this specific time, it is social media that is almost in some ways contributing more towards, uh, you know, some of the activism than any any other force before because now all of a sudden it isn't just was it captured on camera. It was now everyone knows about it. And now, you know, the people in Minnesota are getting pressured from around the world Mm -hmm. to do something that, you know, even just 10, not 10, but like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when not everyone had smartphones, when it had been captured and when it had been posted. Exactly. And that, that's frustrating because it it makes you uh, question people's like real care for the situation. Um, Because it's like, okay, you see after the first week when the, I would say the brave people went out, on Minnesota out on the, you know, on the road, on the streets. And was like, you know, this is wrong. And some people can say, you know, uh, why are they tearing up their own city? Like, why are they looting and all this? Um, and a lot of and that, you know, the answer to that is really when you're suppressed or when people feel like their voice is not being heard, the human reaction to that is just to react. It's like, whatever is next to you, whatever's close to you, you just, that moment, that feeling, you just take it out. Um, and I don't think, Unless you've been in that situation, if you've been, you feel like you're in a cage, you know, it's hard to understand that. Um, But there's no excuse. I mean, just seeing that on TV just kind of justifies why people were acting like that the first week. But after the first week, I'll say the second week, the third week, you start to see that it it became a trend. So here comes all the, uh, I guess, the people that have, you know, a lot of money or celebrities, etc., and they kind of come in and they show their face. And I'm not saying that they're doing it as a trend, but you you don't know if they're doing it because it's popular or, you know, they're trying to save face, they're trying to save their job, their career, or if they really actually care. So right now I feel like I kind of had to take a break from the news and social media because I'm like, I don't even know anymore. Like, I don't know what is real, who really cares. Now it just seems like, like a, a, I don't know, like a brand, like everybody's just on this Black Lives Matter brand, Black Lives Matter brand, and um, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell right now. Yeah, no, so I think it's almost like it's hard to tell. Are people actually being authentic about it, or are they just realizing that now everyone has to do something about 
about it or else you seem very, you know, like just out of touch with reality. And so I guess the real test isn't going to be, did someone post something, but is what are they actually doing mm-hmm. to, to make a difference and to ha- impact change? Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. And I think the ones that are still protesting to this day, not letting up and peacefully, of course, uh, those are, I, I give props to those people because it takes a lot. It's, it's, this is a lot on the mental, a lot uh, mentally, physically, spiritually to put yourself out there. So that I, I give a lot of props to those people. No, sounds good. Well, thanks so much, Tay, for being on the podcast. Um, you know, so I just want to, if people want to follow everything you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at TayBrown31. Sorry, TayBrown.31. Um, you can also go to my uh, YouTube page at TaylorBrown31. And my website is taylorbrown31.com. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'll make sure I have those in the, the show notes or the description. Um, so just, yeah, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And thanks so much for recording this uh, IGTV and YouTube live. So first for me, and thanks for thanks for doing that. And if for those listening on the podcast, you can go back and, and watch uh, the video. Uh, no working out a few bugs in the audio where I think my, the YouTube live stream didn't have audio at first. Um, uh, you know, you just got to do things live. And so yeah. I think I want to encourage you guys too. if, uh, you know, you're wanting to produce content, just look for an opportunity, go live, work everything out because, um, you know, you're going to mess up, but the best way to get better is, is just by, by doing, doing more stuff. So just keep, keep creating content. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the show Tay. No, thank you. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Hi. And that wraps up another episode of No Fat Cats. Thanks for joining in for the conversation with Tay Brown. Uh, let me know if you checked out any of the content online, whether it's the IGTV video, the YouTube video. Let me know if you have any tips or what you'd want to see, uh, if I should keep doing that, if you find having the visual interesting. I know, shoot me an email, wesleyintermotionmedia.com, or also just you can hit me up on Instagram, uh, the podcast being No Fat Cats at No Fat Cats, and my personal Instagram being at WesleyPD. I love to hear what you thought. I just love the conversation with Tay. Just love how she is plugging along, you know, producing content uh, in in her space. So she was like, I'm a basketball player. I want to produce content in the area. And and she's done that. And she just, you know, continued to be consistent, put stuff out there because she loves doing that. And, you know, that's what I want to encourage you guys. Just be be producers. I think it's fine to consume content. Uh, You know, I myself do that. But at the same time, make sure that you're not just a consumer and that you're actually taking the time to be creative creating content doing it regularly and you know it doesn't really matter if anyone watches it produce something for yourself that you just enjoy and i think that was really my my number one goal with the podcast you know it wasn't oh i want to make money uh, i want to do this but it was like i enjoy podcasting let me produce something that i personally will enjoy i want to enjoy having conversations with people and let's just do more of that and you know if down the road after a long down the road it leads to something that's great but let's just produce something that i enjoy doing and so that's what i encourage you today find something you enjoy doing and think through your goals so in my case it was really i want to produce content for me and i just was going to soak in that season of producing something that i enjoy doing regardless of whether or not anyone listened to it whatever your goals are i hope you can find something that you enjoy doing regardless of whether or not there's applause afterwards i think that's when you know you're really enjoying something is when you produce it and you don't care what people say you just enjoy enjoy it for the art it's an art form it's creative and so find something like that that you can enjoy doing till next week have a good one